Welcome to Faith Center Foursquare Church's Message of the Week. For more information on the church or ministry, head on over to our website, eurekafaithcenter.org, or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Now, we hope you enjoy this message. Before we start, it was uh, brought to my attention actually last night and then this morning. My sister, who um, does not live in the area, but she has a, a great niece named Lily, who's three weeks old, and Lily is struggling with severe respiratory um, failure right now. And she was life-flighted to Reno. I have not had an update. I've not looked at my phone. But we believe in the God of hope. Jesus is our living hope. And I know if you're watching online, this is a little unusual, but I want to pray for Lily. Can we agree for Lily, who's three weeks old, that God will protect her and heal her? Lord Jesus, right now we pray for Lily. Father, I'm emotional, but I'm not without hope. But I sense your heart for Lily. Your heart for her parents. God, we pray for hope, for healing, for wholeness, for Lily. The doctors have said to be prepared for the worst, but we are expecting the best. So, Lord, we thank you for Lily. We thank you for your healing hand. We thank you for your touch on her life and for the plans that you have for her. We trust you, Lord, and we believe you. Thank you, Jesus. And we agree and we say in your name, amen. Thank you for that. So before I go too much further, I also, he didn't know I was going to do this, but my youngest son, Gavin, is sitting right over there. Wave to everybody, Gavin. Gavin is here from Ventura. When he was a little guy, and when we were on staff here, he had full run of this place. So, yeah, there was no place that was off limits. And so he knows this place pretty well. And uh, we're just so excited that he got to spend Thanksgiving here with us. Our oldest son and his wife and our three grandsons that belong to them, that's how we view it, right? Not their kids. There are three grandsons that belong to them. <laughs> they were here in the previous service, so anyway, that enough of that family stuff. So our title this morning is He Shall Be Called Hope. Not just the bringer of hope, but scripture talks about, and we're going to share in a bit, that Jesus is our living hope. Because he came as one of us. And he surrendered his will to the will of the Father. And he went to the cross. And he said, not my will, but your will be done, Father. And because he did that, he paid the price for you and for me. Because we were separated from him. We were separated from God by a chasm that was too wide but he spanned the gap. He died for us. And because he died as one of us, he lives as one who understands us and makes intercession for us. And he lives with the Father. And our promise is the living hope, is our hope for eternity. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. Are you excited? When I think of Jesus, I struggle with 
I shared this a couple weeks ago, that what I struggle with is his humanity more than anything else. I don't really struggle with his divinity. I, I, I accept that he was immaculately, immaculately conceived. I, I accept that he's Emmanuel, God with us. I, I get that because the truth of Scripture. I, I understand that. But when I think of the complexity of what it meant for him to say from the very beginning, I know what's coming. I've got this. When I think of that, when I think of that he lived a life like you and like me, as fully human, as God with us, that's where I get challenged. But yet, even knowing that it's challenging to understand that, in my day-to-day, that's what I need the most. I need to know that he's God with me, that he's God with you, that he's God with us, in a way that only was possible because he came to be with us to understand us, to live as us. That's what gives us hope. So we're going to talk today about Jesus' humility that brought his humanity, which brings us hope. His humility, the words are in a little different order there, but it really was Jesus' humility that brought him to humanity so that we have hope. If you had met Jesus, can you go back in your mind with me a couple thousand years? See, I, I can go back at least 64, but, well, I don't remember everything when I was zero. Do you remember when you were? I don't remember when I was, like, zero. That's the, before you're one. I don't remember those years. But let's imagine, let's go back in time. Let's go back to the dusty roads of Nazareth. And you would have been walking along And here might have come Jesus. But you wouldn't have said, Oh, Jesus Christ, so nice to see you. What would you have said? You would have said, Shlamalu, Yeshua Bar Yosef. Peace be with you, Joshua, son of Joseph. How many of you are surprised to hear that? Peace be with you, Joshua, son of Joseph. Now, it's not a coincidence that Joshua means God saves. But we get kind of all squinty-eyed and religious when we say, Jesus, right? I'm not making fun of anybody. Maybe I'm making fun of myself. But if we can understand that he was Yeshua bar Yosef, Jesus, Joshua, the son of Joseph, if we can understand him as he lived and walked. Now, he wasn't just any Joshua. He's the Joshua that we celebrate. The one that in Greek we call Jesus. But in Aramaic, you would have known him as Yeshua. And he had an earthly father. His name was Joseph. So, Yeshua, Bar Yosef. 
Does that help anyone? Are you think I'm being sacrilegious? It helps me to understand his humanity to live in this life. When I fail, especially, it helps me to know that he understands because he's one of us. Hebrews passage in chapter 2, starting at verse 14, really talks about his humanity, and it's going up on the slide. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Anybody tempted lately? Anybody give in? Don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> I can raise mine. He suffered when he was tempted. He held true to his mission to the level that not giving in to temptation was equivalent to suffering. Now, if Jesus could do that, do you think he understands when you're being tempted? Yes, he does. He understands it to an extent that we cannot comprehend, but he does understand. And so, continuing in Hebrews 4, Hebrews 4 14 through 16, we read, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I often look, I'm learning how to look more and more. I talked about this two weeks ago. I'm learning how to look more and more to Jesus' humanity as I walk out this life because that feels more within reach to me. His divinity is somewhat at arm's length to me. Though I get it, I understand it as much as I can. But it's humanity is what I cling to when I'm struggling because he gets it. We have a high priest who understands what we're going through because he suffered when he is tempted and he is like us in every way, yet he was without sin. Praise God. He's there to help us with mercy and grace in our time of need. He lived in our human condition. So when we're feeling helpless because of, or hopeless because of illness, injury, or loss, he understands. He certainly felt anguish and despair when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. We mentioned that before, but what did he do? He surrendered his will to the Father. He surrendered 
In humility, he surrendered his human will to the divine will of the Father and said, I'll do what you're asking me to do. Are you happy for that? He gave himself to the cross. He knows what you're going through. He's always waiting. We just read in Hebrews chapter 4. He's always waiting for us to ask for what we need. He's ready. And as we learned two weeks ago, he's ready, as we learned from John chapter 1, verse 16, he's ready with grace in place of grace already given. How many of you had a great Thanksgiving? Do you like extra gravy on your potatoes? Yeah. It's like my favorite thing, gravy. I put gravy on all of it. Cranberry sauce, I don't care. Gravy. <laughs> Vegetable, gravy. It's good on everything. It's like grace in place of grace already given. It's like the gravy. You can't have too much. And he has more than what we need. He has grace in place of grace that's already been given. He has mercy when we need mercy. And you know what else he has? He has understanding. He gets it. He knows what we're going through. That should give us a lot of hope. Which leads to our second point. God's mercy and grace bring hope and they restore hope. They bring hope, right? Initially bring hope. How many remember when you gave your life to Jesus, that incredible weight that was lifted off? Some of us. We understood the mercy and grace in that moment. We had grace and we felt it, the forgiveness of sin. And we thought everything was going to be so peachy and easy. It was all going to be great. And then we ran into ourselves again. I didn't share this before. I always say something for 11. I think I accepted Jesus like 14 times. That's the number I like to use, 14. I'm sure it was probably more because I failed so badly. Oh, Jesus, I failed you. Please forgive me. Lord, please come into my heart. <laughs> he understood that, too. What I'm beginning to understand, finally, is that he gives me grace in place of grace already given. It's more gravy. I certainly had enough, but he gives more. So it's Jesus' humility that brought him to us to restore us back to the Father. And we see that, his humility and his humanity, in one of my favorite passages, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. If you want to follow along, it's not going up on the screen, but Philippians 2, 5 through 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, 
and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Isn't it great what he did? Did you catch verse 5, though? I can't get away without reminding us about verse 5. I'll read it again. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Wouldn't church be easy if it wasn't full of people? Wouldn't relationships be easy if they didn't have to be with each other? I say that about myself, trust me. I'm not the easiest person. But if we can walk with mercy and grace, the same mercy and grace that was extended to us for one another, if we can walk in the same humility that Jesus showed in his humanity, if we can walk surrendering our will, surrendering our wishes to his wishes, it's amazing what he can do. Not only what he can do in us, but what he can do through us and with us. Amen? So, connected to this, I like the first Peter chapter 1 passage, verses 3 through 9. And you're not going to believe. I, I read something new in this. You know how you go back and you read the word and you go, wait, I never saw that before, right? Anybody experience that? Okay, well, see if you can catch what I never saw before. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, Exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, Humboldt County, Northern California. Yeah, yeah. I had never seen that before. <laughs> Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Our living hope, Jesus. A new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade. Have any of your inheritances gotten a little tarnished, spoiled, or faded recently? The earthly ones are, but the heavenly ones not. Praise God, it doesn't suffer the same losses that this earthly one does. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. I get kind of a superhero view right there when I think of shielded by God's power. Do you feel shielded by God's power? <laughs> he does, because he loves us. Does that mean stuff's not going to happen? Oh, no, there's more. Stuff is going to happen. In all this you greatly rejoice, though, for, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. More precious than gold. 
Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. We are actively walking out our salvation. We are, Paul says, we are being, being saved. Every day he's with us, he stays with us. He's faithful. He's not going anywhere. He knows us. He's one of us. He knows what we're going through. As I was reading that passage, I'm old enough to remember a hymn or two, but one that I was reminded of is, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Little backstory. By the way, we might be done by one. I hope you're all good. Are you, are you good? I'm, I'm kidding. But I'm looking at the clock going, oh, my. We had a lot of stuff we had to do earlier. So. This, song, this has a story about what I'm about to do. Um, I, I, I didn't finish Bible college. Will you forgive me for that? I did not finish Bible college. But I had a professor who I dearly loved, and he taught Romans and Galatians, Dr. Ralph Hammond. And Ralph Hammond was notorious for preaching more than teaching, and we didn't get through very much of Romans and Galatians. I think in that semester we got halfway through Romans. Because our classes were a lot like this. He'd be talking about some deep theological truth in Romans, and it would remind him of a hymn that also was of a deep theological truth. And he would just break into song. And it was the most amazing thing. And I just felt ushered right to the throne. Whenever he would do that, I would just sit there. Can you imagine that I would sit there and bawl? Yep, I did. Join me if you know the words. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Lord unto me. That's for Ralph. You might be surprised to learn that this song, the inspiration for this song, comes from Lamentations. Yeah, some of you get it. Lamentations chapter 3. And the person who wrote this song, Thomas Chisholm, he wrote it as a poem in 1923. And it was put to music by his friend William Runyon. And 
Thomas Chisholm wrote 1,800 poems, many of which were set to music. And Thomas Ch Chisholm was a Methodist preacher, minister, so was his friend, William. But Thomas was only able to be a preacher for a year when he was about 26, 27. He had severe health problems. He had a lung condition that didn't allow him to continue. And so he had to take a different path in his life, but he never felt that God was not faithful to him. He lived to be 94 with a condition in his lungs. I want to read verses 21, 22, and 23 from Lamentations chapter 3. And I want to encourage you to go back in your own reading. Read Lamentations chapter 3, and you will be blown away that this is what Jeremiah was able to declare. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. This steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Some of you might recognize those lines from another song. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The verse we sang from the song was the third verse, by the way. So how are we doing? We doing okay? We hanging in there? I'm going to really just have to speed it up here. But this is the... I said it's the final reading. It is pretty much the final reading, but there is one more thing or two that I want to say after this to help close this all up. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 40 through 57, <laughs> and I use the Amplified Bible. I never read from the Amplified Bible because it uses three words for every word practically, but not all, not all the words. But hang in. How are we doing? Doing good. There are also heavenly bodies, sun, moon, and stars, and earthly bodies, humans, animals, and plants. Listen fast, I'm going to read fast. But the glory and beauty of the heavenly is one kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is a glory and beauty of the sun, another glory of the moon, and yet another distinctive glory of the stars. And one star differs from another in glory and brilliance. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. The human body that is sown is perishable and mortal. It is raised imperishable and immortal. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in strength. It is sown a natural body, mortal, suited to earth. It is raised a spiritual body, immortal, suited to heaven. As surely as there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written in Scripture, the first man, Adam, became a living soul, an individual. The last... Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit, restoring the dead to life. Amen. However, the spiritual, the immortal life is not first, but the physical, the mortal life, then the spiritual. The first man, Adam, is from the earth, earthy, made of dust. The second man, Christ, the Lord, is from heaven. As is the earthly man, the man of dust, so are those who are of earth. And as is the heavenly man, so are those who are of heaven. We are of heaven if we have accepted Jesus. Amen. I added that. It's not in here. Just as we have borne the image of the earthly, the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the heavenly, the man of heaven. Now I say this, believers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit nor be part of the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable mortal inherit the imperishable, the immortal. Listen very carefully. I tell you a mystery, a secret truth decreed by God and previously hidden, but now revealed. We will not all sleep in death but we will all be completely changed, wondrously transformed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trumpet call. For a trumpet will sound, and the dead who believed in Christ will be raised imperishable, and we will be completely changed, wondrously transformed. For this perishable part of us must 
put on the imperishable nature and this mortal part of us that is capable of dying must put on immortality, which is freedom from death. And when this perishable puts on the imperishable and this mortal puts on immortality, then the scripture will be fulfilled that says death is swallowed up in victory, vanquished forever. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Amen? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin by which it brings death is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, now catch this. I had to read that because you had to get the whole context here. We have a DNA. You pro maybe some of you have done the 23andMe or whatever. You have DNA. You have human DNA. We all have that. Jesus had human DNA. Yay! Because he had human DNA, he died for us, yet he ever lives. And here's the thing, if we get this, we don't live according to our human DNA spiritually anymore. We've been set free from our human DNA. We have a new spiritual DNA. We are no longer slaves to sin, as it says in another place in Scripture, we are now children of God. We don't have to give in. Do we struggle sometimes? Yes. Do we have victory? Yes. Why do we have victory? Because Jesus overcame sin as one of us. That's the victory. He overcame sin as one of us. And so now we're not covered with our own sinfulness. We're covered with his righteousness. Theologians call that the great exchange. I don't have to live anymore according to the power of sin in my life. I can live according to the victory that Jesus had over sin. A famous, uh, familiar passage to many of us would be 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Or it says in some translations, or creature. I like the image of a creature. I'm a new creature. I know I look kind of the same on the outside. But inside, I'm new. And I'm leaving that old slimy, wiggly one back there. And I'm going to live as a new creature in Christ Jesus. It says, the old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come into being. I'm new in him. He set me free. He made God, made the one, not having sin, not having known sin, to be a sin offering for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, if that's not a hopeful bit of news, I don't know what is. When you're struggling, when I'm struggling, when we're struggling, Jesus knows. He gets it. He walked as we walked. He lived as we lived. He understands it all. But he had victory over all of it. And because he had victory over all of it, we can walk in the victory that belongs to him. We don't walk in our strength. We walk in his strength. We have new spiritual DNA. The new Adam came. We're no longer just bound to the old. Our hope is a living, everlasting hope. Hope's name is 
Jesus. Have you ever met anyone? Have you ever met a guy named Hope? Yep. Jesus. Jesus is our living hope. Amen? Well, I want to close with a bit of a dox. Was that benediction? Is that the word benediction? A bit of a blessing for you. I thought about this earlier, and I, I didn't share it. I didn't share it on Saturday night. But how many of you listen to the Holy Spirit? Yeah? Okay. Sometimes I do. I try to. But sometimes when I miss it, I have another voice that whispers in my ear. She's thankfully been whispering in my ear for about almost 44 years. (laughs) And she said it would be great if you added something to close. So I want to read this to you because it's, it's a beautiful psalm. It's Psalm 65, verses 1 through 8. Praise await you, O God in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. O you who hear prayer, to you all men, and I like to add women, will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you atoned for our transgressions. Blessed is the man and woman you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness. O God, our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. Those living far away fear your wonders, where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. Amen. I want to pray for us as we close. Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for this season that's coming for Faith Center. Lord, I thank you that we've had these times to share. But we get eternity together. And so we love you, Lord, and we just honor you for what you're doing, for your good, good work. Lord, I pray your blessing upon everyone here. Truly, we love you, Lord, and we thank you so much. You are our living hope. Thank you, Jesus. We just ask this and commit ourselves to you. In your name, Lord, amen. Love you guys.